0: You know how I feel about Sacramento. I think Luca Doncic is trying to avoid them. Michael Porter Jr. is trying to avoid them. I feel bad for Sacramento. I don't think anybody wants to go there and play for them because they know that's where talent goes to die.
1: Everybody, to another week of the Stay Eyes Podcast. Once again, I'm here with Jordan. What's up, Jordan?
0: What's going on, brothers?
1: And we got Calvin with us once again. Cal, what's up?
2: Back at it again. Here
1: we go. So, we got a full plate uh, for this episode. So, we're going to jump right in. The NBA draft is a week away. And there's a lot of news and nuggets going on with the NBA draft. Uh, We see that drafts are are starting to be put out hot and heavy because of so much movement, so much change. We even got news today of uh, one of the higher-rated prospects, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. He canceled his workout, his second workout. Uh, There's a lot of speculation behind that. Whether it's that he was actually hurt, he claimed he had a uh, hip, was having hip spasms, hip strain, and he wasn't able to get up out of bed this morning. That came from his camp. Uh, There's talk that he could be trying to scare off certain teams that were hot on him uh, so as to dodge them. And there's other talks that he may have a guarantee lined up for, uh, which is sometimes the case. What do
0: you guys think? Uh, I think that he's probably trying to go to his personal team that he wants to play for. Uh, I heard rumors of him going as high as number two out of nowhere to the Sacramento Kings, and of course, as was stated millions of times on a podcast, you know how I feel about Sacramento. I think Luka Doncic is trying to avoid them. Michael Porter Jr. is trying to avoid them. I feel bad for Sacramento. I don't think anybody wants to go there and play for them. Because they know that's where talent goes to die. Nobody's trying to go to that purple team. So, he's probably coming up with any old type of excuse and, you know, probably wants to go down uh, the draft boards. Uh, possibly he wants to play here in Chicago, Chi-Town to the bull. or maybe he got a guarantee from one of the other teams, Dallas or uh, perhaps another squad. But I don't know. I I, I I, really can't put my finger on this one, man. I don't know if it's for real or not. I thought that he was okay. I thought the medicals cleared. But uh, this, this newfound information, I don't know what to say about it. He probably is – he's probably faking. Yeah, but you know what? I think <laughs> – it's funny you
2: brought up that about Sacramento and how uh, it seems like teams or players may be trying to avoid Sacramento. I mean, I wonder what it is. What is it about Sacramento? Because, I mean, is it their coaching or is it the city? Is it, like, what is it that they're trying to avoid? Not like it's Kansas City in terms of, like, places to play, but it, it does feel like he's probably doing this to avoid them knowing that they were coming to check him out. I mean, I feel like if he's giving his medicals to only one team and that one team is the Bulls or what it is it? and I, I heard stories about how may, maybe because of his uh, his team or his organization, they were the same representation for Todd Gibson and uh, they was the same representation from other players that worked with the Bulls and they got a good relationship. And so maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. But uh, that, that's interesting about Sacramento.
1: Yeah, I think with Sacramento, there's a lot of criticism of Vivek Randeev, I think is his name, the owner out there, because he kind of blotted a few times on some deals. And when you have that kind of that kind of discord in your organization, sometimes uh, even even young players, you know, we don't give some of these young guys enough credit for understanding, you know, the the landscape of the league. Then you, of course, they get mm-hmm. a lot of assistance from their agents and and uh, from some people that they might be connected with, who are in the know. Sacramento yeah. might just have a bad rep amongst deep circles. You know, as far as how the organization runs, and players just don't want to go there. That's the only thing I can really see.
2: I mean, I mean, because it's not like they haven't had like a uh, a good team before i mean back in the 2000s when chris weber and mike bibby and them boys pages of the world i mean you know they they were to me at the time like a destination that, that was my favorite team in the 2000s you know actually so i don't know like i wonder if it's like you know like if you go to certain teams you feel like you're stuck in that city like detroit like i am be honest with you i wouldn't want to be stuck in detroit me personally but i mean you know, maybe it's Sacramento, the city, or it could be the management. Maybe they feel like uh, I think Jordan said they are like uh, doomed, or their the careers are going to fall apart. I'm not sure. But they got a decent young core, in my opinion. I mean, not not great, but a decent.
0: Yeah, yeah. De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They they those boys are good. They're a good pair. I, I definitely like the way that they play. I just look at the history of all the different talent that has come through that that team and has moved on either to a better career or better seasons on other teams or have just completely fallen off the map and don't even play in the league anymore or are overseas and playing for uh, Maccabi or, or whoever else that picked them up. Uh, you look at Jimmy Fredette. I was high on Jimmy Fredette coming from Brigham Young out of college. Thought that man could shoot out the gym. I mean, he's another one of those guys that, could pull up from 30 feet and just light it up on you. I thought he would have a little bit more of a promising career. Uh, You look at Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill, uh, I thought that Buddy Hill would come in and dominate on that team. I believe he's back on the Kings after being in New Orleans for round Yeah, he is. But uh, like the first go-round, I'm thinking Buddy Hill was going to come out the gate hot. And then you have Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, he kind of did okay there. But then when he left, he obviously took off even harder after going from Phoenix to Boston. Boston, you know, obviously he was, you know, doing his thing there that year. Um, I think they just have a reputation, man. People are seeing perhaps something. Uh, I can't put my finger on it again. Like I said, like Calvin alluded to, you know, it's something wrong with that. either the culture, the chemistry, the way they're, they're managed. I, I don't know what it is, but you can tell that that team – no matter if they start to get good talent, it hasn't, been, it hasn't been good or anywhere near as good as when, as was mentioned, you know, Jason Williams and those boys, Bobby, Jackson, Lottie, Paja, Keto, all them dudes was on the same team doing their thing. So, yeah.
1: I think Buddy Hill started off with the Pelicans, and he was in that boogie deal.
0: And, uh, yeah, he was. He started off with the Pelicans? He pellet? started
1: off with the Pelicans.
0: Yeah. He drafted out. Okay. So, okay. Whatever, maybe whatever we'll, talent he had so.
1: still went to die in Sacramento.
2: So then if that's the case, and if that's if that's what they're doing, then you know, maybe maybe that's why I mean Luka Doncic was the first one to kind of say, mm, I don't want to go to sack Michael Porter Jr. But what if it's the other case? I mean, what if, what if it's his back really is hurting. See, that scares me. If I'm the Bulls, that I'm looking at Michael Porter Jr., it's like, all right, I understand this man had back surgery. What they call it, some type of micro uh dexectomy. I forget how you say it, but uh, now his hip is hurting. Potentially, I mean, that's that's some red flags, man. Like these are like old man injuries. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean, but in this in this case, it's talk that it's his hip. You know, and that could be, honestly, it could be back-related. You know, if you're trying to compensate, so to speak, and you could put strain on your hip because, like, that that back, that's your center. Your, your your core is your abs and your back. So if he's trying to compensate someone in the workouts, if he's not complete completely recovered or he's favoring it a little bit, he might be recovered and still, you know, just kind of favoring it, that could be some compensation that he's doing. But this, this could be a ploy, and, and, I, and I, I lean in the direction of this being a ploy.
0: Um,
1: yeah. As I mentioned last week, uh, when, we, when we spotted in on, on the Triangle Offensive, Sacramento was high on him. If he doesn't want to go there, this, this could be some sort of strategy to kind of shoo them away but the thing about the thing about an organization like Sacramento, I don't think something like this is gonna 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 push them away.
2: No, shouldn't. You take you take the best player available. I mean, you 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 saw what happened when Charlotte got scared and Kobe demanded a trade, and you know a lot of Dvok should know all about that because he was in that trade. You know, so you know if anything, my my opinion is, if you want to play in the NBA. You want to earn five million dollars a year, and you're gonna play where you get drafted. So, but at the end at the end of the day, if that ploy works, I mean that that comes in the favor for a team like Chicago or some of the other players or some of the other teams. You know, if it drop.
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, man, this is another reason why I feel sorry for Sacramento, man, because it's almost like you're not gonna get the most out of whoever you draft. You know, because of your reputation, let's just say you do go against the grain and you pick Luka Doncic, and he decides to come here, and now you have a player who maybe is not going to give one hundred hundred percent because he doesn't want to play for your team, or let's just say you do go through with MPJ at number two. No matter what people are saying, and no matter if he doesn't want to play, and and you still pick him. <laughs> You might not be getting a player that's going to give you his all. You know what I'm saying? Like you're taking a chance at a very, very good talent, kind of maybe just going through the motions. Players have done that before. But, but do
2: you think? Do you think he'll do that though? Like if if Absolutely. why would I why would I jeopardize my money? You know what I mean? Like if I if I'm if I'm there and I play half my potential on purpose. I'm going to get a contract that's half my potential on the next time I re-up. I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, if anything, it would, I would I would play my best, so then when it's time for me
0: to get a new contract, I'm up out of there. I go wherever I want to go. True enough, good point, but it's happened before. People have played half, but plenty of times. And then other other teams are not stupid. They know, okay, this person doesn't want to be here, like you just brought up with Kobe. You can force a trade because you don't want to be in a place that you know is not going to thrive and probably bring about a successful team, a championship team, a playoff squad, so you're going to go through the motions. Players do it all the time, even after they get paid, they do it. So it, it's an unfortunate thing, but I, I'm I've seen it. It's it's been done before. I mean, just look at person that, that's coming to my mind first is Ben Wallace when he got sixty million from the Bulls. Ben Wallace turned into uh, Marcus Pfizer.
1: He wasn't
0: that bad. I mean, I, I think that I just didn't like the fact that he wasn't the same Ben Wallace. I think he got older. I think too. Nah, he was okay. I think when you have
1: step, you you hurt yourself, especially as a young player trying to make a name in the league. If you if you have step it, even even if teams know you have more potential, there's always going to be in the back of their head if the least little thing makes them unhappy he's not going to go 100. Hmm. I think with, with yeah. Ben Wallace, what we saw is is more psychological than physiological. So what happens is, and it's, it's, it's a natural human response that you have to fight against. Like, once you feel like you've made it, and we talked about yeah. this even a little bit with Derek, Derek Rose, once you feel like you've kind of made it, you might play a little more tentatively. You might not go... Go as hard because you know I I I, I may hurt my chances or, or I may mess with my money or um, um, right or or you might get a little relaxed because you feel like you have made it and you just you mentally get relaxed not that your your work ethic changes but you you have a little bit to to fall back on I think about just to throw this movie I think about like Rocky three. When they when they showed the difference between like a clever lang and a Rocky. Once Rocky got paid because he has so much on his mind now that he didn't want to lose, he got a little softer. And so it it, it, yeah. it took something for him to to get his edge back and that getting paid for some, not all, can cause you to lose your edge. And I think that happened a little bit to Ben Wallace. Yeah. You know, so when we talk about players, you know, you hear all the time, he can get paid, and now he he plays soft. That that means he may have lost his edge. When you start thinking about, you know, the uh, the shoe deals and the free agency money you got, and and all of, all those other factors that that go into getting paid and, and being on a different tier as a player. But here's something that's going to make Jordan mad. oh! Guess who's shooting up draft boards?
0: <laughs> oh wow. <Don't call> <laughs> now. Go ahead and tell me.
1: <laughs> there is talk. There is talk now that Jaron Jackson Jr. could potentially go number two.
0: Oh, that's that. Wait, why would that make me angry?
2: Because <laughs> you think he sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that that's the point. I would be happy if he went up draft boards. If he goes number two. Well done. Well done. Get him out the way. I said that from the start. Get Triple J out the way. I don't need him even sniffing the Bulls at number seven. I don't need the Bulls to do do what the Bulls do and go dumb at the last second. He's like, you know what, Jaren Jackson, he has a lot of potential. He has a lot of upside. I can't stand those two words. Give me somebody that already has the points and the stats that you put up in college. Jaren Jackson... I just had his stats up. Let's see. Jared Jackson averaged 10.9 points, points. 5 rebounds, and 3 blocks per game. In what world do you think I want you to be averaging that in college and then you say, oh, this man's going to be a beast in the NBA? Get that man out of here.
2: Now, wait, now, hold on now. What if it's (laughs) the system, though? I mean, what if his the system that he played in prevented him from showing his full potential? Because it's a lot of players. It's a dude, It's a lot of players in this draft that's all about potential and upside. You know, low floors, high floors, high ceilings. I mean, you know, to what? be honest with you, it's it's. I mean, what if Wendell Carter is available at number seven? You know, How would, uh, would- guy, You know.
0: He already I mean. I I would take Wendell. If you say Wendell, I say yes. If you say Jaron Jackson, I say shoot yourself. Because there's another guy. And you talk about the team that he comes from, and you know, the, the 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 type of play. That's Tom Izzo, man. That's Tom Izzo. That's Michigan State. And if you want to talk about on that team, who I would take over him, Miles Bridges all day. Miles Bridges ain't even touching the top ten right now in, in in mock drafts. Or maybe he might be number 10 or nine. He's within the range of the Bulls. If if all those other prospects are gone by seven, like in order, Aiden, Doncic, Bagley, Porter Jr., Bamba, and Trey Young, all six are taken. Shoot, give me Wendell or Miles or Mikhail. Jaron Jackson doesn't need to be in the draft at all. He needs a free agent pickup. He needs like a background, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm ranting. Look, all I'm saying is the man don't need to be anywhere top. I, I'm, I, I can't stand how little he has shown at the college level, and for some reason it's saying this dude is a top five potential pick. No. No.
1: Yeah, when I watch when I watch Michigan State, I didn't see a whole lot from him. It was it was mostly the Miles Bridges show. But then, then again, to to Calvin's credit, Izzo does run kind of a tighter system. I mean, it's, it, you can't shine Izzo's system, but he runs the kind of system where it's not conducive to putting up massive numbers either. But I, th- I think from, from what I've, I've seen and what I've heard and been reading is that when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr., even the block numbers are a little inflated. Because he's had like two or three games where he's had a huge number of blocks, and, you know that that can that can bump your averages up when you're only playing twenty five games a year.
0: Absolutely. And you've got another guy who's already on the Bulls. I mean, they go 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 talk to Denzel. Denzel did pretty good when he was in Michigan State. I mean, he was doing everything, you know. So I mean, it was shine. There's something on that team. I agree that, you know, that team isn't necessarily a, a huge offensively powered or offensively oriented type team uh, like a, a Kansas or, or a Duke, you know, with just high octane offense. You know, they really try to kill you and suffocate you on, on defense. I, I, I understand that. But talent is talent. And if you got talent, no matter where you go, you should be able to stand out and you, you should – Something in a person that says, "You know what, man? That is something either a that I've never seen before, or b that I've seen before that turns into star potential when he comes to the next level." And I just don't see it. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't scream. There doesn't. There's nothing that says, "Wow!" When I will look at Jaron Jackson. You don't think his talent is transcendent enough, man? Transcendent? No, brother. Ten point nine points? No, not at all.
2: It, I can
1: get that with
0: Miles Bridges.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that Jaron Jackson Jr. has proven to this point to be a transcendent talent. Uh, I think he might be able to pull off, you know, being in the league for for a certain amount of time, carving out a niche for himself. But you know, to go that high in the draft and not be transcendent, to be kind of a, a Role player for for fifteen years. That's not what you're looking for, especially. Yeah. He um. He kind of puts me slightly in the mindset of another Michigan State kid, Deontay Davis, that went to the Grizzlies.
2: Um, oh wow!
1: Similar plan uh,
2: style. I Him mean, Tyris Thomas. You think him too? Tyris. I don't even. Think, I don't think he has more potential. He reminds me when I look at him, I see tires for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you know we watched Tyrus Thomas from the Bulls, but I feel and tires went high too. Remember, Tyrus went what number two? I no, think he wasn't. I wasn't two. He was traded for LaMarcus Aldridge. He went four. He went
0: four. Oh, he went four. I know the Bulls try to help with Marcus Aldridge. Yeah,
2: that was – Oh,
0: God. Yeah, and as you can see, one is still here and one ain't.
1: But even, <laughs> even with Tyrus, you know, you you will see little things here and there, even in college. You saw things yeah. where it's just like, this kid might have something. And I think Tyrus, while well, he struck while the iron is hot, which which most agents and draft pundits will tell you to do, Tyrus was one of those guys that really could have used another year in college where he was going to be able to show whether he could handle being the man. Cause if you remember, Glenn Davis was the guy on that team and, and Big he, was, baby. You know, he was murdering college defenses and Tyrus was, yes, he was. Tyrus was just kind of the the athletic freak on that team. And he, Tyrus really, he locked JJ Reddick down. Um, <laughs> And they beat Duke. And um that's that's what put Tyrus on the map. And John Paxson for a change took a chance. And that was the, the wrong time to not make the safe pick.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with that 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 analysis. Tyrus his athleticism jumped off the off the chart to me. And his aggressiveness. If it was one thing Tyrus brought, it was very it it was tenacity, it was aggressiveness. He had a mean streak about him. He brought that to the league. Even if it didn't really translate to him being a star or at least an all-star, I-, I will say he gave 110% when it came to certain aspects of his game. He had a few highlights here and there. You know, of course, the peak of his powers was when he wanted to go to the dunk contest and get a check. And that- that's about it. But uh, <laughs> Jaron Jackson, I just, I again, and I keep saying that I don't see it, I, I hope. Anytime I don't think a person is going to be good in the league, I'm not saying that I hope they aren't. I hope they are. I hope all these guys hit, honestly. But if we're talking about for the Bulls, and I'm being biased and I'm talking about my home team, you stay away. Don't you come Don't you bring your stuff. Don't you bring him talent here.
1: So now that we got the Jaron Jackson rage out of the way. Yeah. And let it not go understated, too, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the son of a uh, former NBA bum, Jaron Jackson,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> runs in the family. <laughs>
1: uh, one of the one of the one of the sickest dunks I've ever seen on a person happened to Jaron Jackson. I think Kobe went baseline on this dude and just annihilated his soul. And I, I'll, I'll I'll never forget it because. I was, I was actually, that was back when I couldn't stand the Lakers and I was rooting for the Spurs and, and I couldn't, it was just so undeniable how sick this dunk was. I had to jump out of my seat. It was just, oh, and Jaron Jackson was on the, uh, on the receiving end of that. If you can YouTube it, you might be able to. It just, it was, it was thunderous.
2: I don't even remember Jaron Jackson seeing it. It was thunderous, man.
1: Yeah, he played with the Spurs. He was a role player on, that, on those early Spurs championship teams. Yep. That's crazy. One other note is, you know, as usual, you get these these rumors of teams who are willing to trade up and trade down. There's talk that your favorite team, the Sacramento Kings and the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks, might also have strong interest in trading down as well as the Grizzlies. There was a rumor being thrown out there that the Grizzlies would be willing to trade down with the number four pick if someone was willing to take on the albatross of a contract of a Chandler Parsons. Yikes. I think it's, I think it's two years and another 46 million. Yeah. Hey. Now, if you're the Bulls and you get a chance to go up to four, <laughs> do you take on that contract because you're you're in a position to absorb that?
2: 2019, though, we're looking at 2019, and we want that. That's what they're saving that that cap space for is 2019, man. And I don't know if he still got a cap hold for next year. That's not gonna work.
0: Who in the world do you think is gonna come to the Bulls next year, even if they got all the cap space? Cap space in the world,
1: but you're, you're talking of two. You're talking, too, about the difference between seven and four. If you're at four, you're in a better position to, to nab one of these otherworldly young players coming in. Well, I'll
2: say uh, this. i say this. If Marvin Bagley is on the board at uh, number four. I might pull
0: that trigger. Man, you've been loving Bagley since day one, man. I can't fault you. But, uh, to, me, a, to me, he's a better Chris Bosch.
2: I uh, wouldn't go that far yet. He hasn't proven himself in the league, man. I mean, but if you look at him compared to Chris Bosh coming into the league, I mean, the comparisons are there. I just feel like he's probably a little bit better. In what Chris sense people?
0: Yeah. In in what sense though?
2: I mean, just his offensive potential. His his offensive potential is crazy. And and then you know he, I mean, he had a split time with Wendell Carter. I don't know. I I think if we can get him at four, I might do it.
1: No doubt I'd be on board, but as far as the Chris Bosh comparison, I will say Bagley's more athletic than Chris Bosh was.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, Chris Bosh was probably a little better at basketball as a whole, a more cerebral, and he, he can play well on both ends of the floor. Bagley leaves a lot to be desired defensively.
0: Yeah. Could shoot better. I read an article actually about Bagley. There's one thing he's very good at, and that's being near the basket. I think Marvin Bagley, yeah, he he I agree with you with the athleticism. He is more athletic than Chris Boss. Chris Boss to me still has just as good of a post game, if not better, when he came to the league. Uh, Chris Bosh definitely has a better outside shot. It was more it is more consistent. So Overall, I don't think he is as good as Chris Bosch. Does he have the potential? Because again, all of these different players, everything is based off potential and how it's gonna translate from one level to the next. How much work you're gonna put in to have it translate very well, to have it translate smoothly, to be an even better player because now this is like a full time job to you. You know, you you're working out every off season you're putting some New uh, uh uh bit of a, a talent or skill to your game, something new that you're working on. Uh, so I, I could see the potential being there for him to be better than Chris Bosh. I definitely agree with that.
2: I think Bagley has a lot of potential, man, to be that and more. Honestly, like I was just looking at some of his highlights, man, and I just I, it's something about him, man. I just feel like he is. I feel like he could possibly be better than. Aiden. I mean, I I don't know. I just I feel like he's like his talent man is and and we haven't really truly seen what he probably could do playing in Duke, you know, Duke always limits what the players can really do when they play for them. And I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, the defense is something that could be desired more. But I mean, Wendell Carter was the one anchoring that defense for the most part. So maybe he didn't have to focus on it as much. I don't know. But I don't know My, give me bags, I'll take bags
1: yeah uh-huh. i mean I'm, I'm sure that uh William Avery will agree that Duke held people back
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. i don't i don't i don't think that I don't think that Bagley in particular uh was held back because uh, the man did average some pretty gaudy numbers as far as college is concerned uh in' yeah. his first freshman season um you probably might be right with the him having to focus on being a defensive anchor because Wendell was the more prototypical defender in the paint, you know, making sure that you know nothing got past him. But I don't know. I don't think he was limited though.
1: If anything, that that team kind of centered around Bagley, Wendell Carter, or as I like to call him, Elton Horford. He um, <laughs> he, he was. He made up a lot for Bagley's shortcomings. That will likely be exposed when he gets to the next level. As opposed to Chris Bosh, I'm thinking more uh, without without the power. Amari Statemeyer, with a little less power, because you're talking about somebody who's good around the basket, who's gonna who has a bit of range, who's gonna be inconsistent early mm-hmm. on, and quick jumper. And bad defender. I'll take it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm sure you will.
2: <laughs> we, need, we, need, we need superstars, man. And I feel like I feel like, with the current roster that the Bulls have now, I mean, marketing has the potential to maybe be a all-star, maybe superstar. He's like borderline potential. I mean, we just don't know with Zach Levine. Chris Dunn, I think it's just going to be a really good player. I mean, you need somebody. I feel like that's going to because what was Jordan saying earlier? Ain't nobody coming to the Bulls, right? Well, if ain't nobody coming
0: to the Bulls, we better draft, right? That and that, thats where that's where you're supposed to be successful as a as a front office for your team. You are supposed make to make trades,
1: draft to make trades. Yeah. And and honestly, in an analysis of the Bulls roster, you know, I realistically believe. You know, a lot of people believe in Chris Dunn. I do, too. I, I love Chris Dunn coming out of uh, Providence. But I think Chris Dunn might be best served as a nice swing guard, six man, to where he's giving you about 32 minutes a game coming off the bench, splitting time between the one and two. As a guy who can run your offense and still play solid defense, uh, very Jared Jackish in his – uh and his basketball utility.
0: Wow. Well, if if he's the second point guard on the team, then that's fine. If they end up having to go with a Trey Young and you have Chris Dunn as the backup or Chris Dunn as like the two guard every now and then or playing together and they focus on defense and Trey is focusing on offense, and I personally, I guess I wouldn't mind that. That's obviously not my first choice. First, uh, uh, per preference, as I've I mentioned plenty of times, especially if we move up to four, let's just say that happens. You know, I'm going for Bomba, Bombay, Bomba yeah, Juice. That's that's all I'm. I, I'm I'm sipping the Bomba Juice, brother. But uh, I don't know. We'll see.
1: So, if you trade up to four, quick question uh, for you two: you don't have to expound on it. If you trade up to four, you you bite on this Grizzlies offer that's rumored to be out there. And Luka Doncic is is there. Do you take him?
2: <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm not sold on him, man. I'm not sold well, on him. T- well
0: me answer me this. Who's who who are the three that you're, you 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 potentially see going before then before him? Who's already off the board? Well, has gone.
2: Based on best players or based on what the teams will have to do? Just
0: what you think. Let's just make a scenario. So if, if Doncic is still there, who are the first three that are coming off?
1: So Aiden's gone. Bagley. And Bagley's gone. And maybe Bamba or Jackson.
0: Maybe or Porter. Uh, or Porter. Gone. The world is a better place. But if, if, if it's Bamba, Aiden, and Bagley, then, yeah, I, I wouldn't have any problem with going with Doncic. Even over Michael Porter Jr., Doncic has already proven himself against talent that has played in the league. You you playing with grown men. The Euro League is a step above college. So so in the, in the essence of saying that he hasn't proven anything yet, I have to disagree because he's become the MVP of the league. They just won, and he was the catalyst for that. He's playing with people that are much older, more experienced than him that have played in in the, in the NBA, even on his team. Uh, you got, uh, Rodriguez, you got Anthony Randolph, you got other players and no, they weren't amazing in the league, but they still made it to the league and stay, they still carved out a row, a good niche on good teams. So that whole league in itself is, is very, very good. And you can't underestimate what, what it is that a player can do in that league. So Donchich, I think he has proven himself to that degree. I don't know how much of a star he will be though. I don't think he'll come over here and set the league on fire and average twenty and and eight assists and six rebounds. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. He might have to go to the the perfect team, and they may have to center their offense around him. But if he comes to the Bulls, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. Six, eight, nineteen years old, I think, or however, however young he is, and we need a wing spot. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take him. I mean, you know, I, I
2: just look at it like this. I mean, European players, they don't get me excited no more i mean we got Remember, we were so excited about nico and how the potential of nico Miritich. i think he won mvp over there too now i know he's not considered to be nowhere near on the talent level as donches potentially um, but I, I just feel like it's something about those players that slightly gets overhyped like everybody wants to find the next dirk navisky everybody wants to find the next pal gasol and it's like the minute a player like, oh, man, he was 14 years old when he got into the EuroLeague, he's MVP. I I do think he's talented, and I definitely think he deserves to be top five. I just, you know, I don't know. I I guess I just wouldn't be trading up to get him. If I'm going to trade up to get somebody, it's going to be one of them other players we mentioned already, you know, Bagley or Aiden or, or maybe even Bamba or Porter Jr., you know, me personally.
1: So you you rate Mohamed Bamba above Luca?
2: Yeah, honestly, if I if I had to pick all the players, if I had to pick them for my team, I would put, I would pick Bamba over Doncic only because I feel like Bamba's potential is a lot higher. I mean, some of the stuff they're saying about Doncic is that you know he's not as athletic. Yeah, he has good skills, and I've seen some tape on him. I mean, he has good skills, man. But um. I don't know something about a seven ten wingspan, the ability to shoot a three, and athletic. Man, Bomba to me is a top three pick.
1: So we're we're talking about when when you talk about and just we're gonna do as 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 prototype. So you talk about Luca, you may be talking about average ceiling, high floor, right? To so where Luca's gonna get to the NBA. And at the very least, he's going to be good for a long time. May not be great, but he'll be good for a long time. Ricky Rubio. Nay's better than Rubio.
2: No doubt. I'm just saying, you know, Rubio came in with a lot of hype, too. And, you know, he turned out to be a decent player. I think, I think, okay. Donchick, I think, I don't see Donchick making your annual All-Star team. I see him okay. being a good player.
1: Okay. So let's say what? He's, he's, Mark Jackson, right? Okay. So he, you know, that 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 guard who's every year he just misses the All Star team, but when it's all said and done, he's gonna have some pretty decent numbers. You were know, like, why did this dude never make the All Star team? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see that.
1: And then you have Bamba, who has tremendous ceiling, but very, very low floor potential. So Bamba's pretty boomer bust. Yeah. To where if he's bad, it's gonna be bad machine to beat territory.
0: Oh my god, I forgot about so, the beat.
1: Mm. So do you do you value the high ceiling over the average ceiling and you sacrifice the low floor over the high floor?
2: Yes. Yes. And I'm gonna tell you why. Tell you why because you're gonna take a gamble on a player that potentially could be a superstar. I mean, all the tangibles that Bama has, man, and, and 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 we're talking about this wingspan. We're talking about he's seven feet. He's quick. He can jump. He's Dikembe Matumbo on defense, but he can shoot a three. You know, like you don't I don't know if you've seen too many players in the league. I don't know if there's ever been a player that's described as that Dikembe Matumbo with a jump shot, you know, or or with a, just to be able to hit a three. You know what I mean? He don't have to have post game. But I mean, you put that with Lori marketing, and Lori doesn't have to worry about defense or the center. oh, that's that's nasty. That's nasty. And then I, I just feel like that potential. I don't. I don't want an average player to be a top five. My top five pick. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Kirk Heinrich. I mean, what Kirk Heinrich was pick seven. But I mean, you you could draft somebody like that. He could <laughs> be solid for ten years. But I mean. I would rather take my chances on somebody that potentially could be way better, potentially.
1: So what if I told you Luka Doncic was Joe Johnson?
2: Then give me that. Yeah, but I mean, very very Joe Johnson game.
0: Even though I, I don't see it at all, but if you're just throwing that name out there to compare him to somebody that had a really good NBA season or NBA career, I should say not season, then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that if that's his ceiling. But to me, see, that's why I think it's different from player to player. When you talk about high ceiling for somebody, I still need to know that you produced to a certain extent in college. And that's why I go back to Jaron Jackson being low on my my my, my list of, of players. I, I won't even sniff in Chicago because I need to still see you produce – at a superstar level in college or at least a level where you are relied upon to get that last-minute bucket or you're you're the person who the team relies on as a go-to player, like a Trey Young or a, a, a Marvin Bagley or DeAndre Aiden. Heck, Bamba wasn't the go-to player, but you saw his defensive potential, probably something that we've never seen before with the amount of height and, and width and length, rather, that he has on him. You know I need to see those type of things, but when you talk about a, a person that has a high ceiling, I need to still know that, yeah, you might be boomer bust, but you've shown me at least at a at, 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 in a college uh uh environment that you're you're uh uh an amazing talent
1: but one could make the argument and i'm i'm just I'm just you know just throwing it out there. One could make the argument yeah. that bomba never really dominated in college.
0: No, and he didn't. You're absolutely right. I'm not even going to front. He did not dominate in college. That was not something that he actually, that that you saw even in his highlights on YouTube. You saw him being a defensive anchor, probably one of the best. You saw around the basket, his length impacted his offense. You saw the, the, the shooting ability, the smooth stroke. You saw all of those things. That team wasn't focused around giving Bomba the ball on offense. He was more so of a garbage guy where he'll go and get it, put it back, get some offensive rebounding. Uh, every now and then they would they would put up a play for him. They would they would run a play for him specifically. But you can just see the the potential dripping off of, of a player like that. And you you can't deny you can't deny the seven ten wingspan standing standing length. Like that that's just utterly ridiculous. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I'm I'm okay with Bomba versus a uh, Jaron Jackson.
1: So piggybacking off of that, where do you value athleticism in comparison to basketball ability? Because some people go crazy over the athleticism. They look at the numbers, you look at the combine numbers and and, and people, you know, even similar to the NFL, you know, where you where you have you know, combine killers and you have these guys in the NBA come to the combine they're combine killers. Where do you value the athleticism when it comes to potential, as opposed to just seeing a guy who can just flat out play basketball?
0: Well, if it's if it's if it if I'm a, if I'm gonna answer that question properly, I'm gonna break it down like this: If I'm the 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 GM 14 it, at this point, it depends on 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 fit and need rather. If I'm evaluating a player, I'm gonna say, okay, what what do I need on my team? What what am I what am I lacking on my team? Am I lacking players who are high energy, aggressive, go hard hundred percent David Nawaba type players, Jordan Bell type players? Am I lacking those players? Or am I lacking do I have that already on my team and do I need somebody who is going to think the game through and, and play well, like a Al Horford or a Kyrie Irving? Someone who has a little bit more of a superstar potential and can break the game down may not be as athletic, but is extremely superior when it comes to putting the ball in the basket, when it comes to shooting, when it comes to getting other players involved, making his teammates better, thinking the game out more. So that that that's probably the best way I can answer that question. What what do I need on my team? Uh, so I would say 50-50. If I need an athletic type of player because I already got superstars on my team, and I just need somebody who's going to fill a role and, and, and go hard a hundred percent because we don't have that already, then yeah, I'm going with athleticism. But if I if I need somebody who needs to who I know is going to be very well rounded, going to be balanced, not going to do nothing stupid in the in, in, in clutch moments, then I'm going towards, you know, basketball IQ and skill.
2: You know what? Um I, I really think it it depends, man. Like I was thinking on that question. I guess like with this draft, like how far apart is the top pick from the next pick? You know, obviously when LeBron came in the league, he was head and shoulders above the rest. But like in this in this draft, is Aiden really that far apart from the other players? I mean, is is Bagley that far? I mean, like I I wonder are they all kind of on the same playing field? And then if they are, then you can kind of pick your poison. Like kind of Jordan said, just put a player towards your needs if they're that close. And in that sense, you know, I mean, an athletic player has the potential to learn some skills, but can a skilled player get more athletic? And I feel like an athletic player will always have the potential to learn how to shoot. You know, Michael Jordan came in the league. He wasn't known for his three. He wasn't a fluid jump shooter that well but he was freakishly athletic and he learned everything else but you take a player that's skilled in certain aspects can they learn to jump higher uh i don't know
1: but looking at michael jordan let's uh, you look at michael jordan though michael jordan was extremely fundamental um right. and yeah. then that's that was at a time where guys came into the league and and they were in school for three years you know two three years so you got a coach like dean smith who could show you the fundamentals and you progressively learn those fundamentals so even though michael didn't come out as a great shooter he had the fundamentals there to eventually become that and he did everything else fundamentally sound he kept his he played def- defense well, he knew how to stay in front of his man, put his one hand in the passing lane. The shot looked good, even though it wasn't going down. He just had to learn touch, good free throw shooter things things like that to where nowadays guys are coming out of school they've only been in school one year, and then you know in high school when you find a star player though they're not teaching those kids fundamentals, so the young younger players don't know have the fundamentals as much. As they did back then, so you might have a, a raw athlete who comes in, and it's a little harder to teach him certain skills because he doesn't have that fundamental base. Not a, and I'm and I'm just not saying that I'm against athletes. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I like both. Like, you know, I and and it's closer to the way Jordan feels. I guess you know it depends on your needs. Like I don't go I don't go crazy over the the athletic freak who comes in and. You know, he's jumping over leaping tall buildings in a single bound and got the super long arms. I mean, that's that's fine. But can he ball? And I'm also not going crazy over the guy who can can ball extremely well, per se, but has bottom level athleticism. You know, you you look at a guy back in the day, I'm going to give you a name like Todd McCullough, who, who a big man, great footwork around the basket, good touch around the basket, but he had zero athleticism. So when he got to the league and played against athletes, they killed him. So, you know, there, there's something to be said for having the athleticism. Uh, but I just I just want to know where you all place the value and, and the divide
0: between the two. Think about Todd McCullough for a second. I was just thinking about Eddie Curry just real quick uh, on the Bulls. That 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 was a prime example of somebody who had all the talent in the world, but the man couldn't even average six rebounds. So,
1: and a lot of that was drive with Eddie too. You know, you he, he, not only that that goes to rem- remember when we were talking about guys who who just didn't have that drive to be better. They were.
2: Content. He didn't have a main freak either. They, yeah,
1: they were content with just being there, man. You know. Sometimes people just want to be at the party. They don't enjoy the party, they're just happy to be there. So I I think that's – even if you look at the way Tyson Chandler over the years had developed and and shaped his game, he never became phenomenal at any particular thing. But you can tell over the years how he picked up certain skills and how his game grew. I think he had a little more drive than Eddie. So that, that makes a difference too. But we could go on forever about the NBA draft. It's a week away, and a lot more developments are going to take place. So, hang tight with the Stayouts Podcast as uh, we're going to be into some interesting developments for the draft, even some post-draft stuff in the next couple of weeks. Analyzing, giving draft grades for the different teams of note. One quickly into one other subject. There's been a lot of talk since the sweep last week of the NBA Finals that the Golden State Warriors, because of Kevin Durant coming over there, have ruined basketball.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) What are your thoughts on that, gentlemen?
2: Super teams make the NBA. I mean, the NBA really didn't get truly relevant until the 80s, and that's when Bird had his Celtics with McHale and Parrish and the boys, and then Magic had – you know, Abdul-Jabbar and and James Worthy and Byron Scott and them boys. So, I mean, that's that was the super teams in the 80s. And then, you know, Michael Jordan had the super teams and the Bulls had a super team in the 90s. Even the Rockets tried to create a super team when they brought over Barkley and Pippen in the 90s. And then Shaq and Kobe and all them boys and the Lakers. I mean, super teams is what really brings the ratings to the NBA. You saw when LeBron went to the Miami Heat, even though we hated it, it still it brought casual fans to the NBA. Casual people love to see the drama of the good guys versus the bad guys. So when Derrick Rose and them boys was going against LeBron in 2010 and LeBron shut them down five, four games to one, I think they had like some of the best ratings in five games but that's because it was the, the 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 try hard bulls with this young up and coming superstar Derrick Rose going against the villainous LeBron James and the Heat. Honestly, at first maybe, biasly I hated super teams because in 2010 I wanted LeBron to come here or D Wade to come here. But honestly, it's it's what brings casual fans to the NBA, man. Yeah,
0: I think that type of opinion or that type of attitude is probably coming from those who never have had a super team in their own town or city. Personally, I mean, we've been more than spoiled, I should say, from uh, not just basketball perspective, but from uh, just Chicago sports as a whole. We've had plenty of dynasties throughout the years here whether it be the Blackhawks for a little while or whether it be the the well I guess it's not a dynasty but we've had a taste of success and of course you know the Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scotty in those years in the 90s dominating the 90s but just to the point of Golden State Warriors ruining the league absolutely not I mean every now and then you have teams who are going to trying to try and try and win three or three or four in a row they, they've won the last three out of four championships bravo to them. Stop them then. If if you don't like it, stop them. You know, and the league is making money off of it. So, it ain't ruining the league. It probably is ruining other people's happiness when when they're not rooting for Golden State or when they don't live in uh California. But I I I hey, I can't even be mad. It's good for the league if if you can't beat them, uh well, I wouldn't say join them. If 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 you don't like them winning, you need to stop them figure out a way to get your team to the point where they can be a dynasty. Then you had the Boston Celtics, you had the bulls, you had the Spurs that were winning for a a long time with, with Tim Duncan and them boys. So, I mean, you, you've had teams throughout the years throughout the league that have gone on streaks when it comes to championships and being dynasties, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you're supposed to be. When you develop a team and you build up a team to the point where there, they can maintain their success then that this is what it looks like, and and props to them, uh, and they 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 they're probably nowhere near done, you know, because of all the talent that they have. But no, I don't think it ruined the league at all.
1: My my comments in this regard are going to seem a bit biased, and maybe because they are, the majority of people that I'm seeing saying now that the league is ruined are LeBron James fans.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: Then um, I mean, real, real talk, real talk. And it's it's interesting and really, in my my estimation, hypocritical. Uh, When you sit back and you look at a team that added a free agent of Kevin Durant's magnitude, and because now your guy can't win so easily, and in your mind he should, but because he can't, now the league is ruined. Uh, Kevin Durant wanted to win a title. He didn't see it happening in OKC. He really probably didn't see it happening anywhere else but there. He he saw firsthand what he had to deal with. If you're Golden State and Kevin Durant expresses interest in you, what are you going to say? I mean, if I'm an owner, a GM, a coach, I'm not going to say, you know what? And in respect for the competitive balance of the league and to give all the teams a chance to win a title every year, we're going to respectfully decline going to visit Kevin Durant and trying to add him to our team. I mean, that How does that sound? It sounds slow. It sounds like somebody who's <laughs> uneducated. So you're not going to do that. Kevin Durant, you know, some people think he took the snake or, or spineless way out. By going to the team that beat him. And and when they make the comparison, because I say all the time LeBron did the same thing. When they make the comparison, they say, well, LeBron didn't go to a team, to the team that beat him. No, he didn't. He didn't. LeBron did not go to the Boston Celtics. Part of the reason, too, was the Boston Celtics didn't have the cap room for LeBron. Let's entertain that. When it came to Kevin Durant... And the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors have been very shrewd in their business dealings and took advantage of an expanded cap year. And even though people say, well, the, the Warriors take advantage of that, that's what smart teams do. They take advantage of of, of what's there, the caveats that are there, and, and they pounce on that. Every other team had this, uh, similar opportunities. The Celtics, even though the cap shot up like that, if I'm not mistaken, did not have that flexibility. Uh, as great as Danny Ainge is as a general manager at that time, they didn't have that flexibility until they decided to, you know, move Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, and Rajon Rondo. But LeBron, in my estimation, did something similar, uh, if not the same, when he went to the Miami Heat. I tell people all the time that, no, LeBron James did not go to a 73-10 and team or 73 and, and 9. But when it came to the Warriors, he, here's the way I look at things. You were 73 and 9. Is that the goal for a team coming into a season? Do teams say we want to win 73 games? We want to set the record for basketball wins? No. What teams say is we want to win a title. You went to the finals, you lost. You did not accomplish your goal. So if you have a team that lost in the finals, mm-hmm. you're going to come back with the same squad and say, let's go at it again. You're going to have to make some sort of tweak to better your team. So that when you approach next year, you have a better chance to win. That's, that's what you do if you want to win. It's, it's not a, it's not a, a pickup game at the Y. It's not like we're the same guys. It's right after the game ended, let's run it back. There's no run it back. It's about another year. Another season we got to go through to work to get back to this point. If right. you have Journeyman small forward standing over there that might maybe get you over the hump, and then you have Kevin Durant standing there, guess what I'm going to call? I'm going to call Kevin Durant. So back to LeBron. Instead of joining a team that was 73 and nine, he did not do that. And that's where people get hung up. This is what LeBron did LeBron James teamed up with the man who came in second in MVP voting the previous season. Second to him. LeBron James teamed up with statistically, statistically, three of the top four players in basketball. The player efficiency rating each individually was LeBron James was first, Dwayne Wade was second, Chris Bosh was fourth. So technically speaking, for that season, for well, the previous season, three of the four best players in basketball teamed up and made a team. So, to me, that's just as unfair as adding Kevin Durant to that team. Just as unfair. and Actually, more movement had to be made, more planning, uh, more jostling, uh, more backstabbing on, on to teams and agents and things like that. More pieces had to be moved in order for this to happen, as opposed to just bringing a guy in. So a lot more planning went into what LeBron James did. So I can't say that what Kevin Durant did is necessarily worse, because it took a lot more effort to do what LeBron James did to bring three of the four best players in the league together. When I when I come with basketball arguments, man, I I got I have numbers and stats and. And efficiency ratings,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that 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 that's true. I,
1: I and to me, the Houston Rockets have proven that it's possible to beat the Warriors. You know, even even though it, they went seven, to me, it's like the same attitude you took with the seventy three and nine Warriors. where you say, well, they went seven, that means they they could have beaten Cleveland. Well, let's take the same attitude with Houston. The the series went seven. One could reasonably believe that Houston had a shot at beating the Warriors.
0: Oh, they definitely So Houston did. goes yeah.
1: back, sees what they can do, puts a to, put team together, and they, whoever they can get in free agency, unless you just want Houston to say, well, we took them to seven. Let's just run it back with the same team. No. If there's a player out there that they think will get them over the hump, they're going to go get them. And no one's going to have a problem with them because everybody is anti-Warriors now. And everybody is anti Warriors now because the Warriors are anti LeBron.
0: It's all good. I, I, I yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't really like hearing all that noise. I just. I. I don't think when you have a, a great team like that, that it's bad for the league at any point in time. You know that there, that there, there's going to be people like you just said that's going to just want to hate against success, the teams that that eventually start winning more, they become hated. It comes with the territory of being a dynasty.
1: Yeah. And then the Warriors were the the key cogs were built from the ground up. They drafted well. They made shrewd signings. They've made mm-hmm. they've made moves from a, from a coaching aspect that have put them over over the hump on a lot of things. It's a it's a very good organization. A, a bit on the overconfidence side at times they've the owners and the gms have made certain statements sometimes i can see what we'll rub other organizations the wrong way but like you said if if you don't like it shut them up and no one has yet to do it at this point
2: yeah those teams and they they only last for so long it's just a matter of time before 2019 comes and clay thompson is a free agent and Draymond Green is a free agent. It's already rumors that those guys are gonna want max contracts. So I mean there's no way they could possibly pay for max contracts. Somebody's gonna have to take the 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 short end of the stick. And you know, that's what's gonna break up that super team. So and eventually by that time the other teams might have caught up. Like you said, Houston almost beat them. So I mean, just the fact that games and Chris Paul was hurt they probably should have beat Golden State so yeah it's not always bad for basketball it just creates more ratings and if anything it's just more intriguing to the game I mean I think I look back into some of the years where maybe the the league was at it's most boring was I remember watching the NBA finals of uh, I think it was the Spurs versus the Pistons I mean, I've never watched that one game in that finals there was nothing intriguing about it.
1: <laughs> oh, what about the back-to-back <laughs> Eastern Conference champion Nets?
2: Oh, that was even worse. Uh, yeah, that was the worst one, I think. The Spurs versus New Jersey. That might have been the worst one. Yeah. And it was a snooze fest.
1: And I think we got six games of that.
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah,
1: so when when you have parity like that, even even mildly because it's been a let's be real it's been a long time since the NBA has had quote unquote parity. When you go into a season, you're pretty sure of the four to five teams that are going to be playing into June. Um, yeah, you know so even even with the Golden State thing and even with LeBron's dominance of the east, it's a pattern it's just a pattern that was picked up from before. And like you said, the early 2000s, when there was a bit of parity, especially with the East, you got Nets spurs. You got the Nets being swept by the Lakers. You got when the Pistons, you know, had their run for a while, which was, it was exciting to see a defensive team doing it. But once you realize, okay, we're going to get six games in June, like where people are scoring 79 points. it's, it's, it's a, Uh, we had uh, some riveting conversation about the draft, and we got to see people's likes, dislikes, and, and hot-button topics as far as the draft goes. We got to see that, uh, at least here at the Stay Ops podcast, that all three of us agree that the Golden State Warriors are not ruining basketball. As long as you're creating ratings, the NBA is going to be perfectly fine with it. And you create ratings by creating something or allowing something that people hate so desperately that they want to either see succeed or fail. So you put something Never. in there that's polarizing, and you watch the masses flock to watch. Uh, again, I've been Chris. I've been with Jordan. Calvin dropped in with us. Yes, sir. We'll at y'all next week.
2: All right, fellas. All right, next time.